4: We started off the show a couple hours ago talking about all the drama surrounding Dak Prescott and what exactly is going on with Dallas, but that's just a small part of the drama that is currently taking place in the NFL. We've got Carson Wentz uncertainty. We've got Russell Wilson going on Dan Patrick yesterday and basically making it clear that he's not super happy about how things are going in Seattle. We've got Deshaun Watson, clearly all the drama surrounding what might happen in Houston, we already have had the move from Matthew Stafford to the Rams and uh, and Jared Goff to the Lions. And I think what this is all emblematic of is everybody trying to chase Tom Brady. And I don't mean literally chase Tom Brady, although everybody is looking up at Brady's 10 Super Bowls, but the NFL's a copycat league. And right now, I would love to know if you could go back in time and you could say, What is Tom Brady's biggest legacy going to be? I think Tom Brady's biggest legacy, I really believe this, is going to be quarterback empowerment. What do I mean by that? Brady played the good soldier for a long time in New England. Even though he, I think, chafed at the leadership of Bill Belichick, he was willing to put his head down, to keep working, to keep driving, to stay in New England. And then we don't know exactly what happened. I would love to know from Tom Brady exactly what happened. But finally, that relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick fundamentally fractured. And Brady, who I think had always been willing to stay in New England, finally decided, I've had enough. And I think you got to give credit to Robert Kraft Because we talked about ownership structure and power and how decisions are made. I think Robert Kraft found a way to try to work with Bill Belichick and with Tom Brady with both of those guys having pretty massive egos and trying to keep them both happy. And I think he did for a long time. And then ultimately, I think Brady just had enough. And I think Bill Belichick wasn't willing to bow down at the altar of Tom Brady anymore I think Belichick thought Brady was washed up I really do because the lesson from New England to the extent there is one is don't get so attached to your players that you end up overpaying them after their value is already gone ultimately Belichick's genius is not necessarily football although there's some there It's knowing the value of a football player. Because how many times have you seen New England wildly overpay for a player? It almost never happens. And how many times have you seen a player leave New England and have incredible success without being a Patriot? Very rarely. Brady, I think, is already the most successful New England Patriot departure almost there's ever been. Because in his final year in New England, Brady threw 24 touchdown passes. In his first year with Tampa Bay, he threw 50. He over doubled his touchdown performance going from 42 years old to 43 years old in a brand new system. How does that happen? It's because things were broken in New England. And everybody is looking up at that 10 Super Bowls uh, that Tom Brady has been to and the seven that he's won. But I think the legacy of Tom Brady's empowerment era is actually going to be felt more with his move to Tampa Bay than it was with his tenure with Bill Belichick. Because I think there are a lot of guys looking around. Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff. I think they're all looking around. And deep in the back of their mind, they're saying, I'm the reason why this team wins or loses. And if they don't have me, they are screwed. And I think Russell Wilson thinks that in Seattle. I think that Deshaun Watson thinks that in Houston, a little bit more difficult for him because they went four and 12 with him. I think Carson Wentz thinks that. I think Dak Prescott thinks that down in Dallas. And I think it's no coincidence that the quarterback empowerment era is roaring right after Tom Brady left New England and proved that the quarterback is ascendant by winning a Super Bowl in his first year with Tampa Bay. This just doesn't happen guys. It really truly doesn't happen. Okay. I want you to think about that in a larger context. Almost no one wins the Super Bowl with a team that lets them leave unless there's a major injury issue and the team thinks they have nothing left. Drew Brees goes to New Orleans. The Chargers are moving on to Phillip Rivers, but also with that injury to Drew Brees, Chargers aren't sure if he's ever going to play again. Peyton Manning goes from Indy to Denver. Why did they let him leave? Because they believed that his career might be over, and they were moving on to Andrew Luck. Tampa Bay. Brady got let go in many ways by New England, but also he now has proven I think to a lot of these veteran quarterbacks that they're the reason why their team wins and that they don't have to worry about being able to have a second act. It's really kind of fascinating to think about. The story of Brady may not have that many chapters left because he's already 43 years old, but if you asked me right now what is the most impactful thing that Brady has done with this 10th Super Bowl appearance and this 7th Super Bowl win, I think that it has let loose a torrent of interest among the quarterbacks about how empowered they are. Now, I don't think that there are a lot of guys in the NFL who have the ability to be empowered. I think there's a cast system and quarterbacks as the effective CEO of the team are on a lot higher level than your average player is at other positions where guys recognize that they're disposable where they're or they're fungible. But that's not the case at the quarterback position. There's about 10 guys that can truly make a difference, 15 on the outside. And usually if a team gets one of those guys, they want them for the whole length of their tenure. But what you're starting to see, and I'm still not sure whether or not it's good for the NFL or not, but what I think you're starting to see is you're starting to see some of these quarterbacks recognize their value and they're not content to let all the decisions be made by a GM, by a coach, or by an owner. And if they see bad decisions being made, they decide that they want to move on. And I think Brady's success, I think Deshaun Watson's looking around like, man, there's a lot of teams I could go to that are more talented than the Texans. If I went there, we'd win a championship. I think Russell Wilson's looking around and saying, wait a minute. This team hasn't been able to build around me. There's a lot of teams that have built a lot better offensive systems. If I went there, I'd win immediately. I think Carson Wentz is thinking that. I think Dak Prescott is. We know Matthew Stafford is. Because he finally got fed up with sitting around in Detroit and watching all the poor decisions they made for 12 years. And he said, let me out. And I think this is going to be a brand new quarterback empowerment era, the likes of which we've never seen before. Now, there's a flip side to it too. Because if the players are not going to be loyal to the teams, I think there's going to be a lot less loyalty to the quarterbacks than there has been historically. And you're already starting to see this. Josh Rosen's on his fourth team in four years, even though he was a top 10 pick. Dwayne Haskins got kicked to the curb before he even finished his second year, even though he was a first-round pick. The years of an organization drafting a quarterback in the first round and being committed to him for years and years to come, to me, are over. The commitment level of organizations to their quarterback and quarterbacks to their organizations is disappearing, and it's disappearing in a hurry. And that can be good if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan because suddenly you got a guy like Tom Brady on the market. And it can be good if you're a Chicago Bear fan or an Indianapolis Colts fan or a New England Patriot fan or a Miami Dolphin or a Denver Bronco fan or a San Francisco 49er fan because... Instead of knowing that the only way you could really ever get a good quarterback was if you drafted one and then you developed him into being a good quarterback, now the quarterback free agent market is starting to open up. The challenge, however, is now think about like the Houston Texans. It used to be you just waited to see whether or not a quarterback was great, and then if you were fortunate enough to get one, you had him forever. That's kind of what the Kansas City Chiefs think right now with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, we finally got a great quarterback. We signed her to this $500 million deal. We've got him forever. But now it's not just about signing him to a long-term contract because Deshaun Watson just signed one. It's now also about that quarterback having to be happy in his job. And that is an entirely different dynamic because – There are a lot of NBA players out there that make a lot of money that aren't happy. Adam Silver has talked about that. I think ultimately the reason why NBA players are moving around as much as they are is because they're unhappy with their life stock, even though they're making millions of dollars playing basketball. I think there's a whole larger psychological story we could investigate surrounding social media and how it's made your average pro athlete a lot less happy than they were before, I think that's because they spend too much time paying attention to what strangers say to them. Instead of looking around and realizing how great their lives are, they're looking at what people are saying on the comments to their Instagram posts and their tweets, and there's a lot of anger out there, and that anger feeds on itself, and it means that they're unhappy because if they're not winning, they're getting blamed directly by fans on their phones all day every day all day long and ultimately i think that leads to great dissatisfaction no matter how much these athletes are making fascinating to think about we'll dissect this maybe a little bit more but up next petros papadakis am 570 la sports he is waking up and he will be hanging out with us can't wait to see how things go uh with him for the bachelor report among
3: other things
4: at the old P, you can find him there, Petros Papadakis. How is your morning going?
1: Uh, well, it's 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 not been on long, but uh, I was able to fix the coffee machine.
2: Oh, that's it a good wasn't start to working. the day.
1: Yeah, and I didn't hit it. Usually, you know, when something starts breaking, I go with the Zoolander trying to pull information out of the computer uh, technique, which is, you know, kind of hit the computer and yeah, shake right. it, you know uh but I didn't I was patient I looked you know now that I'm getting more patient in my at 43 I'm starting to become just sort of like everybody else
4: yeah, well except Brady uh who at 43 is becoming less and less like a 43 year old
1: Yeah what a dork he was in college too and he's still a pretty huge dork but he is he's great there's no denying it and he's got a great sense of humor and he handles himself really well in a team environment and we'll be talking about him like we talk about Joe Montana if not more so.
4: Do you like, like when you look at him as another 43 year old guy. What do you think he's doing that is is it just genetic? Do you think that he's on some Well, sort- genetics
1: no. Uh no, because genetically like look, I knew Tom Brady before Tom Brady was Right. Any guy that, I mean, I knew him as a quarterback at Michigan who was best friends with our first baseman at USC, because they played baseball together at Sarah High School in Northern California, where he's from. Uh, other guys that went to school there, Barry Bonds, yep. uh, Lynn Swan, so it's a famous private uh, Catholic high school up in Northern California, not the most famous, that would be De La Salle, with the long football streaks and all that. But he was a guy who would come down to USC and try to hang out with uh, his friend Bill Peavy, and he was a dork. And then I remember a friend of mine who was an NFL trainer, uh, a guy who got people ready for the combine, and quite a lucrative one. And at the time that he was training guys, everybody, and I was down there too in New Orleans with, like, Quincy Carter and Ricky uh, Williams and Michael Vick was in and out and Steve DeBerg was helping out the quarterbacks, the old Chiefs quarterback. And we used to watch the videotape of Brady at the Combine with his chest and his underwear over and over again just because it was so funny. And the contrast between him and the guy after him who was this big kind of juiced-up-looking fullback named Dan Kendra. From oh, yeah, Florida. I remember
4: him. Yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And Kendra came after Brady and, like, flexed his pecs and flexed his back and looked all swole. And Brady looked like an old man in the shower at a country club. I mean, he really did. And we all laughed about it and had fun. And three years later, he's dating Tara Reid or something, and he's uh, winning the Super Bowl. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, it is it is a phenomenon to watch him do what he does, but he definitely has a, a, a Spartan-like, you know, Olympic athlete type of discipline, regiment, it seems. I know guys that played with him and in, in, in the pros, and he's a leader, but he's kind of a goofy, dorky guy that just handles himself better than anybody in that position has ever in the history of the sport. But... I guess to answer your question, my perspective is that of a guy in college like, oh, my God, look at this goofy guy from Michigan that we have to entertain tonight. How many years can you play?
4: Uh, I mean, that is – I know the rules have been changed for the quarterback position, and uh, and, and that helps in a big way and that corresponded with his career and everything else. But when you look at him at 43 – I mean, what if you were setting the over-under for how many more years he can play at a high level, it certainly doesn't seem like he's close to the end based on how well he played this year.
1: You know, it's interesting because you go back and you look at the annals of professional football, you know, even before it was popular, and you have guys like Jim Thorpe, you know, 50 years old, half-drunk out there, kicking the ball 90 yards, you know, with a bunch of guys who work in a quarry. And nobody cared how old they were. And then as the middle of kind of football came through, there, uh, we would get some guys that played a really long time, like Billy Kilmer or Johnny Unitas, uh, same kind of position, quarterback at a different time where we didn't protect people. And then, you know, you kind of you, you, you hit this kind of, I don't know, maybe it's a bell curve or something. And now Brady is, is sort of defying all of that and this is not the first time we've seen an older quarterback take over a team and distribute the ball in a way that is really advantageous. It sees the defense Uh, Kurt Warner did it. Remember? Oh yeah. You know, and, and Kurt Warner couldn't move at all and he could just see it. And he was dropping back. He'd get rid of it. You know, Phillip Rivers had a really good year doing that in Indianapolis uh, his last year ever. So, These guys can play longer and longer. They're more protected. And, I mean, you saw it with poor Pat Mahomes. He's never been that bad in a football game at the pro level. I've seen him in plenty of college games play like that. (laughs) And uh, we've never seen it at the NFL level, and he was still running around like a fart in a whirlwind, trying to elongate plays. And, Brady, it's just play action, play calling, getting rid of the ball. And when they do drop back seven steps and – Get it downfield a little bit more. It's a very calculated thing, and it just shows you in a football game. Speaking of the Super Bowl, you know, and we see it out here with Tom, uh, excuse me, Sean McVay, a whole bunch because he's a really good play caller, and he's a renowned play caller. And it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, I guess, and like just like Andy Reid, every once in a while, something can kind of get away from you. And you, the score of the game, and you end up looking at the, the box score, and you ended up throwing it way more times than you wanted. The quarterback got hit way more times than you wanted, and you didn't really establish anything. And it can really happen to the best of them. And it happened to uh, Pat Mahomes, even though he's a guy that, you know, is notoriously really smart and gets around with the football. But the old man still just knows how to get rid of it quicker and sees it a little bit better.
4: We're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 LA Sports at the Old P, the Petros and Money Show. Now that the NFL is done, and we're going to get to the Bachelor report here in a moment, but you played high school football in California. You are connected with high school football because of the show you've done, I think, on the NBC affiliate out there for so long. Uh, How frustrating is it to you that – All of these other states, many of them, I don't know what the total number, but the vast majority, finished high school football. We've now finished college football. We've now finished the NFL. There isn't a single case of COVID being spread across the line of scrimmage, that is from one team to another. And yet all these kids, I think I saw one of them tweeting you uh, about the fact that he wasn't able to play. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any plan right now to allow these kids to be able to play in the spring, either as we're moving into uh, you know the middle of February now, how frustrating is it for not just the state of California, but for other states out there? But I know you know California well. For California not to have found a way to allow high school kids, not just to play football, but all sports.
1: Yeah, and I, I see a lot of chirping about it in Oregon uh, and, and Washington over the year too. It's it's been terrible for those kids. Yeah, and. You know, the worst part is when somebody tweets something out like that kid did. And, you know, he's an 18, 17-year-old kid who wants to play football. They've trained him to play football. He's His identity is a football player. And you're unable to play. And I think everybody understands that at a certain point. But it's the same as college in a lot of ways with a lot of different nuances and obstacles. But... The simple part of it is, like you said, somebody else did it, and you watch somebody else do it, just like being in the Pac-12 or the and Big And they 10. did it
4: safely, which is now yeah. we know all the data, like all this argument of, oh, you can't do it safely, it's impossible. That's now thrown on the scrap heap of
1: oblivion. You could have done it. Well, yeah, you could have because somebody else did it. They yeah. proved that it could be done. I mean, without all those arguments. But every time one of these kids tweets something out, or a coach goes and tries to advocate for the kids and points out what's been done in texas or ohio or places uh, anywhere uh... somebody texts you or tweets you you know four hundred fifty thousand people are dead you know this cudgel of an argument that's just supposed to end everything and the kids are supposed to shut up and and go home and i mean maybe that's right too i i don't know but if somebody else is playing high school football and you're not it's a horrible frustration for, for all of the people involved, and not just high school football, athletics in general in this place. And it's almost like we've just thrown away a lot of these kids' identity without really considering it. At least that's how I feel uh, watching people do it around the country. And there there's going to be some real long-term problems about it. And, you know, again, we're not talking about the guys that are going to go on and play on Saturdays that you and I talk about. We're not even talking about the guys that probably needed this year to develop and continue their career Uh, because those guys can go to a prep school or a JC or, uh, I mean, you know, there's always a way. But we're talking about the people that just didn't get to play their senior year of high school football, which is a huge deal in a young person's life. Uh, or any sport, but we're talking about football specifically. well that's the the guys that aren't going to get recruited. The guys who were going to walk off the field the last time in December, November of 2020. Those are the people that my heart really breaks for because it's not really something you can recreate. And uh, I mean, it really isn't. And much even more so than basketball and stuff like that. Because you know, how are you going to get a bunch of equipment and refs and coaches and two weeks of camp? I mean. Football is a big ordeal and a giant endeavor. So, I really I feel badly for the young people that just missed out this year, uh, while having to watch others do it in in other places in our country. A lot of other places, the majority of other places in our country.
4: There's no doubt, Petros Papadakis. All right, transitioning from that heartfelt pay on to lost football them in sports in general. It's bachelor time, um, and I believe you have brought some clips uh, for everyone out there. It's almost Valentine's Day. Uh, We are about to give you uh, what you can talk to with uh, the new girl that you're dating, Uh, maybe uh, your wife. You know, I sit and watch this with my wife, uh, The Bachelor. It's a date night, Monday night. And uh, what do we learn, P?
1: Well, uh, you know, it sucks that Victoria's gone, because she definitely was the, uh, to use a football term, the straw that stirred the drink in the house. But uh, we still have some drama and... I'm just, look, it's such a contrived deal when they add people and yes. act shocked by it. And that's really the backdrop of this whole episode is that they added this girl. Knocked uh, out blonde. Heather, yeah, who, who was from Colton's season, the tight end. And they fake security footage. And yeah. Harrison comes down with his little mosquito hands and goes, you know, I've never seen anything like this. You know, I'm never surprised. But my goodness, it's like... You guys are just—I mean—it's so contrived. And then, of course, all the women act insane and crazed over the addition, and it's just because they are in quarantine and they need something to spice up the show. But we had plenty of anger. Uh, Here is Jessina and the big uh, curly blonde hair girl MJ uh, fighting it out uh, right at the beginning of the episode, before a uh, or during a two-on-one date. Uh, right before MJ, one of the last of the mean girls, is eliminated. Here you go, Danny.
0: I'm going to keep being a bad bitch. This is not going to shake me at all. This is done. Jasenya we talked it out like adults at the cocktail party. And I asked you to stop talking about me. I thought we talked it out like adults and squashed it. MJ, that that I brought up petty. honey because you started that. You need to do less at this point. Yeah. Based off of this, I wonder what MJ, Matt got to see tonight. I don't have anything you know to say. Meredith, this is who I am. You know what, Meredith? Oh, you that's cute. All the time about weak you bitch know energy. What? You are well, so weak bitches lie. You know what a weak bitch does is they tear down other people to make themselves look better, and that's what you did. You try to knock me out by. Attacking my character. Out, you know what? You are literally you yourself. This out, is MJ. so petty. You need to literally check yourself right now. Literally, check yourself. I myself. that is every petty. You continue to be petty. Just you, know I'm done. Just stop. you are done. You are done, MJ. Cute. You are done.
4: Okay. I love that. I don't know how you respond to you need to check yourself. And she says, I check myself every day. I mean, that is an amazing response. You need to
1: literally check yourself. Literally check yourself. Yeah. So I guess you go in the bathroom and you know give yourself a look. I don't.
4: Literally is uh, the most overused word on The Bachelor, even more than like. I think that was that was a battle for all time.
1: It really is. It really is you Usain Bolt versus Carl Lewis. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh,
4: I I thought it was Burr versus uh, Burr versus Hamilton. Uh, I mean, it was it was a duel for the ages. All right, uh, what else we got?
1: Frost Nixon. uh, Frost Nixon.
4: uh, that's, That's a great one too.
1: Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to another fight. Uh, Katie is the front runner for the next bachelorette. Yes. Because she was sent home on uh, Monday night, but she's the girl that came in waving around the vibrator. Yes. But then stole America's heart by being a whistleblower <laughs> against the mean girls. Yeah. And here she is versus the last of the mean girls, Serena, who's a quite attractive, uh, stewardess or excuse me, flight attendant, but her eyes are so far apart. She needs to wear two pairs of sunglasses. Uh, Katie versus Serena on being a whistleblower.
0: The fact that you're sitting here still trying to like attack me is pathetic, pathetic. If you have a problem with last night, take it up with Matt. I am who girls I am here. here. I am who there I am. There are 10, 10 girls no. here. Their biggest picture here is to be with Matt. I am who I am. I've never been fake And Matt likes me for everything that I am. So don't speak on his behalf anymore. You keep taking up so much of my energy and it's a taking way of Taking up your spread. energy? Yes. Your little antics of all the drama that you've been in and been inserting yourself mm-hmm. in every conversation and mm-hmm. other people's business that's not even your own. Mm-hmm. You're lighting all these little fires everywhere. You are the freaking arsonist. Arson. Awesome. How is telling Matt about being a bully and toxic and mean girl? That doesn't help your relationship at all. I didn't all. drop and any that's what names I'm saying. to Matt. Every, I did not it. Drop, doesn't matter. It does because it I let matter. the girls tell what they wanted to tell. If everyone thought How that was do you hear that? They're screaming. Or are we going at it. Shut up. The That's them. Because I'm not gonna it sit here and let <laughs> happen in this house. I'm not gonna sit here and let mean girls be mean girls in this house. So guess what? I told them. Yeah, there's some going on in this house. Not my story <laughs> to tell. So if the girls, whoever, want to tell their story. Exactly they're thing. going to tell their story. So guess what? I didn't drop MJ's name. Guess what? I dropped Anna's name. I let the girls speak for themselves. So don't be mad at me <laughs> that girls' names were brought up. There is some high school f- other things besides your relationship with Matt. And I'm not night. the only one. Thank you for your feedback.
4: Oh, dub, you wanna jump in with your analysis there?
0: You know, as I'm watching this episode last uh I watch on Tuesday nights. Katie is to me is the little finger of this season of The Bachelor because I mean, everywhere she goes, she causes chaos, and she's kind of just controlling every girl in this season like a little pawn. So that was my uh, little uh, analogy but there. That's not a
4: bad analogy at all. Uh, Petros, what she, do you think? he has
1: gone. Yeah. You know, uh, well, much gone, like Littlefinger,
4: you know? spoiler alert. You never know what's going to happen. One day you get your throat slit. What happens to Littlefinger?
1: Did he get thrown out of the hole in that castle?
4: No, it wasn't the hole. I think he gets his throat slit, like, unexpectedly, doesn't he? Like, uh, right there in the uh, – uh, it's like uh, – I have to go back and watch but somebody somebody else is a game of thrones doesn't it come down to him versus uh Sansa and uh and and she she ends up winning like the debate over what happened with little finger I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, That's right. He, he gets his she, throat yeah, slit. He kills right him, right the redhead yeah, he gets kills his throat him. slit.
1: Yeah. The redhead kills him. Well, much like uh, Game of Thrones, this episode ends stupidly as well. Uh, We have uh, the the knockout blonde, as Clay uh, described. She
4: is an absolute knockout. She might be Uh, crazy, but she's gorgeous.
1: Uh, She shows up uh, simply because her friend Hannah told her that Matt would be perfect for her. So I guess, you know, they just let you into the resort there after quarantine. And uh, here is her walking in, freaking out, talking to Matt. Everybody's reaction. I mean, it's the apocalypse in (laughs) Pennsylvania here. Hi.
0: Do you think I can talk to you for a sec?
1: (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you just laugh maniacally. <laughs> Heather.
2: I Piper, I am so sorry. I, I just need a couple minutes. I'll, I'll be right back. I'll see you.
4: <laughs> Hi, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> what Hi. the heck? What the f- So, uh, who is that? She's from Colton's season. Did she interrupt you? Yes, I was like... What did she say? I've been waiting all week to have a conversation with this guy who I just told that I'm falling in love with him, so this would be, like, a really good time to, like, plan my life with this dude and this random-ass girl walks in. I didn't say anything. I was like... Like, Matt just Did started he like, know her? Like, did he recognize her? Yes. He just started, like, cracking up, and I was like... Wait, what? He started laughing, and, like... and then he was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Okay, I was yeah. like, oh, sorry.
1: I feel like I'm in a dream right now.
0: I am <laughs> literally shaking my heart. I, just, I feel like I'm in a dream. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Wait, what just happened? What happened? Who is she? You like, who is she? She's from Colton She's from season. Colton. She's friends, I think, with Hannah Brown. So um, you probably wonder why I'm here. <laughs> so I kind of want to
4: tell
0: you the whole story. I'm listening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm literally. She just like strutted in. She smiled at us and then she just took a hard left. Yeah, what the I don't really know this girl and I kind of already don't like her. I'm stressed out and pissed off. She's had her time, like go home, please. At the end of the day, it is Matt's choice and if Matt decides he wants to keep her, then I will have a reason to be upset and hate her even more. What, she's gonna come in and like marry him? No, like, if you're going to let a new girl come in or if you're going to give a new girl a rose over some of us that have been here for this long, then you better marry that girl because the rest of us, we're going to be pissed. If she gets a rose tonight, I'll be rageful.
1: Dun, dun, duh. I'm going to get so mad. I'm going to be rageful, too. I've been manipulated by production.
4: Uh, Petros Pamedakis, it is always spectacular. Thank you for the Bachelor Report. For everybody out there, Valentine's is Sunday, what, Saturday and Sunday coming up this weekend. Now you have something to talk about with a girl out there who's probably watching, right? This is it. Well, good luck.
2: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
3: dot com slash sports tire dot com the way tire buying should be
4: couple things uh that i want to hit here one you may have noticed colin cowherd has not been on uh his radio show so far this week he had a blood clot that they found in his right lung uh had to be hospitalized for that want to uh and this is not me breaking news that he talked about this uh, put out a video uh, late last night. I want uh, him to get well. I want you guys also to know that we're part of a big family at Fox Sports Radio. He's a great dude, uh, and uh, I wanted you guys to know why you might not have been hearing him. Uh, and I want you to know that uh, that we, uh, part of the Outkick family, are all rooting for him to get well also uh, and be back as soon as possible. Also. A um, couple of different stories that are out there that, that we you'll probably unpack a little bit that mark Cuban story I'm still kind of more interested in in enjoying uh, the, the the sort of the lasting glory of the uh, of the college uh, sorry the NFL season then dive into the NBA contention all over again with the national anthem not playing in Dallas and the fact that he's been doing it all season makes it not to me as big of a story because people didn't notice. Uh, But I do think that's uh, worthy of examination. I've written about that in my book, Why Do We Play the Anthem uh, before we start sporting events here in the United States Uh, and uh, the history and legacy of that. I think we'll probably dive into that some tomorrow uh, as that story continues to unpack itself. Also, we talked a lot about quarterback drama, and uh, I just saw uh, coming across the, uh, the, uh, the, the Internet sphere here Uh, There are a lot of mock drafts coming out, and Todd McShay does one of the best mock drafts out there, and he has four quarterbacks going as the first four picks in his 2021 mock draft, and he has five quarterbacks going inside of the top 12. Uh, We're talking a lot about the quarterback position in the NFL in general, but a lot of these different teams that could find themselves potentially trying to get a uh, free agent quarterback, whether it's the Bears, whether it's uh, uh, whether it's the Panthers, whether it maybe was the Jets or the Falcons. There's a lot of different teams out there. Uh, the Dolphins that could be in the mix before all is said and done uh, for a quarterback, maybe even the Dallas Cowboys. I think we can start to now work in all of these different draft eligible quarterbacks. And I've been saying for a while, I think there are five or six quarterbacks that will go in the first round. But to have five going in the first 12 picks is, uh, I think, an emblematic uh, storyline about how many people are unhappy right now uh, with their quarterbacks in general. So all of that coming on the Thursday edition of the program, I encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single moment of uh, that podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out OutKick. My thanks to Petro pa- Petros Papadakis, to Sean Merriman, and to one of the newest OutKick employees, Jonathan Hutton, uh, for all of uh, their work as guests in this show. Uh, and as always, I love The Bachelor Report. Probably the most polarizing thing that we do on the show many of you out there are like god Petros is so good at this others of you are like this is the worst thing I've ever seen why would you ever do this to me why would you start off my morning well there you go you can't please everybody uh this is Outkick Uh, go sign up for the Outkick VIP outkick.com slash VIP it's the best thing you can do if you love everything about Outkick one more time get well Colin Cowherd we look forward to you being back on uh, the show download the podcast clay travis or outkick this has been the wednesday edition of the program same bat time same bat channel tomorrow with outkick this is outkick the coverage with clay travis
2: oh, oh.